Welcome to the Awakening Church Podcast. We pray this message encourages you and provides the hope and light of Jesus Christ. Thanks for tuning in. Hey, happy birthday, Awakening. Great to be with you. It is hard to believe that it's been nine years. In some ways, it's like it feels like it's been longer. In other ways, it feels like it just uh, it was just a few days ago. Now, here's something for those who are new to our church and our community, like um, what we do during our time. Every time we uh, celebrate a birthday for the last nine years, we gather as one church. We normally have two services, and we gather as one church. I love seeing everybody all the way back out by the cafeteria. It's amazing because it's just awesome to get to see the entire body together. And then I, you probably noticed this pool in front of me. We have a jacuzzi. Um, every single time. Uh, we have baptisms every single time because nothing better visualizes our vision than baptism. People coming publicly identifying as followers of Jesus saying, from this day forward, I'm stepping into the waters and walking with you. Uh, our vision is to awaken this generation to new life in Christ, and the waters of baptism represent that so well. And then the other thing, and it's a core value of ours that we do, um, is we party. One of our core values as a church is to party, is to celebrate. Amen? Anybody? Amen. I love... Um, I love, uh, I was just talking to this uh, Veronica, who's new on our kids ministry team, and she's like, I've been a part of a lot of churches. I've never seen a church party like this church. <laughs> I love that. I mean, any excuse, honestly, we can have to throw a party, we're going to throw a party uh, together, and we throw a party every single uh, birthday. In fact, the sermon title today is Party People, hello. Um, would you go ahead and just say that to somebody next to you? Hey, party person or party people. Did that work? Can you kind of look at them and go, party person, party people? Are we, are, are we in? Are we going to do this? And for those of you, Christina made mention of this, that think about this. 
Like, why in the world does a church throw a birthday party? Isn't that weird? <laughs> you know, wouldn't it be more appropriate to have an anniversary and some of these things? Uh, during our service, a sermon, I want to kind of answer that question. Like, why do we party together? Why isn't actually a core value celebration of ours? And I want to ask maybe a deeper or even a better question for us to wrestle with today is how do we become a joy-filled church in the midst of a joy-sucking world? Like, how do we become a joy-filled church? Like, wouldn't it be amazing when people think of awakening, when th people think of our church, when they encounter, like, I don't know a whole lot about that church, but they're filled with joy. Like, I, I just love being around them. They're, they just overflow with joy. You know, the uh, scripture says, the joy of the Lord is our strength, and in the presence of God is the fullness of joy. Like, Like, we're just so in the presence of God that we exude joy everywhere. And then the reality is, is we live in a joy-sucking world, right? Now, maybe two or three years ago, not everyone would say, yeah, the world's joy-sucking. But today, we all go, yeah, it sucks. Um, you turn on the news. Uh, you look at what's happening in our nation. Um, second wave of whatever. We thought the pandemic was closing, and it's doing, you know, its own, uh, you know, revival. And we're like, no, thank you. Um, how do we become a joy-filled church in the midst of a joy-seeking world? In our time together, I want to give us one singular practice for us to become a joy-filled church. It's going to help us, and it's a practice that actually wages war against the joy-suckiness of this world. One spiritual practice, and the practice is simply this. It is the spiritual discipline of celebration. Now, you heard me right. Spiritual, most of us never think about celebration and discipline in the same word. The spiritual discipline. See, spiritual disciplines help us grow in our relationship with God to become more like Jesus. They're systematic, habitual practices. When you talk about spiritual disciplines, they're two types of spiritual disciplines, the discipline of abstinence and the disciplines of engagement. Abstinence, think about this, is, you know, abstaining from things, silence, solitude, fasting. In a world that's nonstop, in a world of go, man, our soul so often needs a no, doesn't it? To be able to have pause and silence and solitude, this, disciplines of abstinence are so needed in our day And then the disciplines of engagement, our series that we've been in, today's concluding it, Not Your Ordinary Church Service, is talking about those disciplines of engagements, worship, prayer, in the Word of God, and celebration. That there is this reality of, in the midst of a joy-sucking world, we need to embrace the spiritual discipline of celebration. And in our time, I want to take you to a passage that I bet many of you didn't even know existed in the Bible. Uh, it's in Deuteronomy, just by a raise of hand. Who has even read Deuteronomy? Okay, a few of you, there you go. <clears throat> and it's, what's happening is God is outlining the forms and the ways the people of Israel are to practice and to worship. And then he's explaining this tithe, and we, we were talking about giving and tithing, and, and what he wants to see happen when you gather together to worship and to present your offering, and one way to say it is it almost comes to this extent of God saying, thou shalt celebrate. 
Like, like God is a God of celebration. Uh, notice in Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse 23, uh, it says it this way, eat the tithe of your grain. Yeah, I said that right, eat. They didn't have dollar bills. They had herds and flocks, and those are the same things. Uh, and they had, you know, um, grains. And so it says, eat the tithe of your grain, new wine and olive oil, and the firstborn of your herds and flocks. How? In the presence of the Lord your God, at the place he'll choose as a dwelling for his name, so that you may learn to revere or honor the Lord your God always. Like when you bring your tithe, which is a tenth, you bring the first to God and say, this is all yours. Tithing trains our heart to trust God, by the way, when we say the first is yours, and I'm going to trust that you'll provide. And then here's what he says. He says, feast in faith. Like feast in faith. There's a time to fast. There's a spiritual discipline of fasting. There is the spiritual discipline to feast Come and feast before the Lord, recognizing that he has provided it all for your enjoyment and your good. And then he says a word to those who live too far away to travel there with their flocks and with all the grain and all those sort of things. He says, use your silver. So instead of you know, traveling with all that, that would be a hardship. Use your silver to buy whatever you like. Not... Think about the generosity, the expansiveness of God. This is Old Testament, by the way. Buy whatever you like, cattle, sheep, wine, other fermented drink, strong drink in the text. I think he meant IPAs, but I'm not sure. <laughs> or anything you wish. God's going, I, I long for you to enjoy. I long for you to celebrate. I, I long for you to think about what's your favorite meal. What, what, what are the things that just bring your heart delight? And in my presence, before me, would you enjoy it? Then you and your household shall eat there in the presence of the Lord God and rejoice. And what I love is there was these instructions. It wasn't just for you and your own sake. There was these instructions to make sure you care and share for those who didn't have as well. That is an expansive nature. God, God, by the way, invented delight, invented joy and celebration. And so they operate and work best in his presence. The discipline the spiritual discipline of celebration. And so here's what I want us to do. Let's talk about the point of celebration. Why does God say this? Think about this. Celebration centers on something or someone we're celebrating. You know that. Celebration centers on something. Maybe, you know, you, it's a graduation you celebrate. Um, uh, maybe you um, just had a kid. Maybe the Cowboys won the Super Bowl. Um, similar uh, in value there. It, it, it comes onto an event of an anniversary or someone. We do this with birthdays all the time, right? In a way that we honor someone we're celebrating. And so when we embrace the spiritual discipline of celebration, I love how De Adele Calhoun said it, celebration is a way of engaging in actions that orient the spirit towards worship, praise, and thanksgiving, delighting in all the attentions, never-changing presence of the Trinity fuels celebration. 
Like when you really understand who God is, his heart, and you begin to delight in him, it just fuels celebration and joy. Dallas Willard explains it this way. Celebration completes worship. As we come to worship, it completes worship. In fact, the synagogue practice in the ancient day was, remember, they would eat together afterwards. They would celebrate together afterwards. Celebration completes worship because we enjoy ourselves, our lives, our world in conjunction with our faith and confidence in God's greatness, beauty, and goodness. Typically, this means that we come together with others who know God to eat, drink, to sing, and dance and relate stories of God's action in our lives. And that's precisely what we're doing today and why we throw a party. See, we celebrate a birthday because we believe that nine years ago, God birthed a movement with a select handful of people. A number of you are in this room that joined us then nine years ago to see this generation experience new life in Jesus. And we pause and we remember his faithfulness, his goodness, how he's been working. See, it's not about awakening and our birthday. It is just simply about us. How can we make much of our God who's been leading us through the entire way? See, followers of Jesus are to be literally party people. We should be the most fun people on the planet because we have both someone and something to celebrate. We have the person of Jesus Christ who came for us and died for us, who loved us, who redeemed us. And we have something that we now have new life. We have a new family that we get to be, have a new future all together. And so, when practicing the spiritual discipline of celebration, I want to spend the last few minutes of our time just talking about what makes a great celebration. Because the reality is, is most of us, when thinking about church, when thinking about um, celebration, we don't combine those two. When I talked about the spiritual discipline of celebration, some of you are kind of confused so we need to teach on this. How do we celebrate well? What makes a great celebration? Well, first, a great celebration remembers the faithfulness of God. Second uh, Chronicles 16, David is literally dancing before the Lord because the Ark of the Covenant, his presence, is coming back to Jerusalem. And in, in, second, in First Chronicles rather 16, he says in this incredible song where he's just recounting God's faithfulness over and over. You can even write in your notes Deuteronomy 16 where you see festivals where God recounts. Uh, he says, I want you to throw a party to remember my work. God institutes festivals or parties that are focused on celebrating God's faithfulness to his people. And you see these different parties that remind us of his faithfulness, of how good he's been to us. You know, as I was thinking about awakening in nine years, I was like, I could tell like a thousand stories of his faithfulness. And I look out and I see stories of what God's done and those who've come to know Jesus and families whose lives have been, you know, uh, changed and marriages that have been restored. And I, I just drove in and was seeing the office that God supplied for us across the street from Del Mar. Hello, miracle. And, and then I thought, let me just connect the dots of one long faithfulness of God, because we're sitting in this tent on a public high school, and this is a miracle. I shared some 
that with our, um, with our leadership or our fall kickoff, and I thought I'd share the whole story today. You know, when we planted Awakening Church, I had a bunch of I-nevers. I never wanted to plant a church. I never wanted to lead a church. Well, hello, here we are. Um, and then as we said yes to those nevers, I had another never. I'm learning about this, by the way, guys. I'm learning not to say never uh, to Jesus. Um, but I love how he answers our nevers in the most beautiful ways. I never wanted to meet on a high school campus. So in January, we are turning, you know, to move towards planning awakening as a church for months searching for a location, knocking on every door, church, theater, and we got a resounding no consistently. It's July. We're going to launch in September. We have two months. People are asking, where are you meeting? I don't know, but we're starting in September. Hope you can find us. <laughs> and when you... When you're desperate and you get serious, you embrace the discipline of fasting. And that's what I did, and a few of us did, and said, okay, we're gonna fast until, God, you give us a place. Praise the shepherd, it wasn't that long. I was like, I'm like is this gonna be a month? Um, a few days later, I was driving around and just happened to come through a street and saw this school that had a brand new theater. And I love the timing. See, when you recount and remember God's faithfulness, he's all about the details. You gotta remember the... Details. See, the timing in July was this school had just got a brand new principal. Had we asked even a month earlier, the answer would have been no. But because of July, the answer was yes. And the activities director, I had no idea, was a person who formerly was a volunteer on our youth team back in the day. Like God orchestrated all of these things for us to be here on this campus. And I said, I never wanted to be here. And then here we are. Nine years in one place is unbelievable. And then from day one, we said, this is going to be more than a place to meet, but a people to? Wow. Absolutely. And so we figured out, how are we going to do that together? And this campus looks so much better than it did when we first came. And we did beautifying projects where we, you know, uh, you know, just literally scraped gum off the sidewalks and painted and, you know, all sorts of, um, of you know, what is it when you plant plants? What's, planting plants and those sort of things. Thank you very much. Yeah, perfect. I speak for a living. Um, and then we, you know, we like to throw parties, so we throw parties for the teachers. At the end of every semester, we bring in tacos, the same taco people. Uh, we love Five Star Taco, by the way. Shout out to them. Uh, so does our church. <laughs> I mean, year after year after year of just loving them the way we thought Jesus would love them, no strings attached. And we got to see God open up just ways to serve and minister to students and to faculties. It's uh, unbelievable the thousands upon thousands of dollars we've been able to give and support this school. And then we're trying to get into a building, and I'm so grateful that we didn't get into the building. God, like, protected us. So think about when the pandemic hit in March. We didn't have a building, and so the minute it hit, our overhead went down. And so we were able to say, you know what we're going to do? We're not going to 
pull back, we're going to lean in, and we're going to err on the side of generosity because we know more people are hurting now uh, more than ever, and so we're going to lean into that, and we're able to do that in many ways just because of your generosity, and all of a sudden, our overhead's lower, and so we're able to lean in in such a way like God protected us in that season, so we weren't paying for an empty building for a long time. And then in November, I'm like, man, we need to regather. We need people, but we have no location. And there's no way the school would ever rent to us. But one of my rules is never say someone's no for them. And so I said, well, I'm going to ask anyways, because the worst thing that can happen is they say no, and that's not so bad. I can handle that. And so I asked the principal. He said, hey, I'll reach out on your behalf to the district. And then the district gave me a call. And they said, hey, you know, some people puts in really good word for you, and you just need to know we're not doing this for anyone else. <laughs> but your reputation precedes you. Not mine, awakenings reputations. How you have loved, how you have, you have been so generous precedes you. Man, you can rent our, our facility. I said, that's fantastic. Can I put a tent in too? I said, well, let's talk to our facility guy. And so we came here, and we're talking through it. And I'm like, no, it needs to be 10 foot high, not 8 foot low. And it's got to be big. It's going to stay here. Does that work? And he's like, well, not normally, but yeah, yeah, we'll do that for you guys. And we installed this tent here, the huge, I mean, like when I tell people tent, they don't know like this kind of tent. Uh, and it's amazing. And then the school loves this place. They ask, they actually always ask like, hey, do you mind if we use your tent? I'm like, it's not our tent. We place it here. It's a blessing for us. It's a blessing for the school. It's the faithfulness in the hand of God and how he's led us this far. And he's in the details. A great celebration remembers the faithfulness of God. And then it savors in the goodness of God. Psalmist says, taste and see that the Lord is good. We live such hurried, fast-paced, onto the next lives. We desperately need the discipline of celebration to pause and to savor the goodness of God. I like how Ann Voskamp said it. The point of life is not to race through life, to cram in the most amount of life. The point of life is to enjoy our maker and the miracle of life. It just causes us to slow down and reflect and to savor, to like truly taste the goodness of God. Um, on Monday, I came down with uh, what, a, a very new disease. It's called the head cold. I had no idea that still existed, <laughs> you know? Um, thank God it wasn't COVID. It got tested. I'm like, okay, great. It's not that. Oh, there are other sicknesses still out there. And it laid me out for a couple days. And when I get sick, I get down. And I'm trying to write a sermon on celebration and joy. And I'm laying sick, eyes, head. I'm like, this sucks, <laughs> you know? And I'm just down and I don't even want to celebrate or write anything, and I'm like struggling through all of this, and then Jenny gets a text from one of her friends, and, and one of her friends, and she read it to me, and it's like, my daughter came to know Jesus at Awakening and is getting baptized this Sunday. Thank you, friend, for saying yes to God's call nine years ago. Like, you just savor the goodness of God. 
And we're going to celebrate baptisms in a minute. And we actually practice something called um, spontaneous baptisms. Like, if you have never been baptized and you want to say yes in this moment to Jesus, uh, you can come forward and Chris is going to be over there. I'll explain it at the very end. Uh, but you can come in your jeans. We have it happen every year, pretty much. Uh, it's, it's a warm day. You'll be great. But when... But when you do baptisms, it gives us a moment to savor the goodness of God. Because when you see someone else go under waters and their life transform, it's that pausing reminder for us of remember that day you said yes. That day you went into the waters. The day God changed your life. A great celebration remembers the faithfulness of God. It savors the goodness of God. Then, did you know this? It infuses strength to persevere. I already said it earlier, but Nehemiah 8.10 says, the joy of the Lord is our strength. Joy strengthens us. It's the picture of a mom in childbirth going through the excruciating pain. I don't know anything about it, but I've told it's very painful. I've watched it three times. It looks painful. And what gets that mother through that? The joy of welcoming her child into her arms eclipses the present pain in that moment, doesn't it? That's why Jesus, instead of Jesus in Hebrews 12, 2, for the joy set before him, he endured this cross, scorning as shame. Do you know what Jesus' joy was? It was you. Like he says, for the joy set before me, just like a mother going through childbirth knows that on the other end, there is joy there. Jesus said, I can endure the cross because I want to welcome you into my family and I will go through that. Joy strengthens us. I like how Dallas Willard said it. He said, this world is radically unsuited to the heart of the human person. And the suffering and the tears of life will not be removed no matter how spiritual we become. It is because of this that a healthy faith before God cannot be built and maintained without heartfelt celebration of his greatness and goodness to us in the midst of the suffering and tear. I think back to our last birthday. We weren't able to do this. But here's, here's what, because our core value is celebration. Not celebrating was not an option. And I loved our team, came up with a really creative thing. Uh, you know, we did this drive-through uh, um, thing where you could come through and you could take pictures and we even had snow cone. And it was still, in that moment, so life-giving, so powerful, and story after story of people in cars saying, man, my small group and, and what you guys are doing online, I wouldn't be where I'm at without this. And this moment, like just seeing that other people are still a part on this journey, it just has boistered my strength. And I got to tell you, preaching to a camera for six months with the only communication, or at least the only communication that it felt like was from more complaining or critical people, seeing that there are other people in the world as well. Um, and we have an incredible church was so powerful. It strengthens us. We have to pause to celebrate, to strengthen. Remember his faithfulness, savor his goodness. It infuses strength. And did you know this? It mirrors when we celebrate well, 
it mirrors the activity of heaven. Like we just get to join in the chorus of heaven. I don't know what your picture of heaven is. It's probably some fluffy cow, cloud, harp, boring angel. That's not heaven, by the way. My dad has a real good book on heaven. Go read it. It's amazing. Uh, but heaven is celebrating. Did you know heaven's doing two things right now? They're doing other things, but they're doing two things. Angels are declaring the glory of God right now. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with his glory, and heaven is rejoicing and throwing a party for every person who says yes to Jesus and steps into new life. In fact, Jesus was questioned about this. You remember this? Because he had an unorthodox way of doing ministry, right? Some would say not ordinary way of doing ministry. In fact, if he had a write-up in the Sentinel today, um, he, they would have said that, I, Sentinel, Santa, Santa Cruz. I grew up in Santa Cruz. The Mercury, thank you. <laughs> they would say he's the partying rabbi because he hung out with tax collectors and sinners. And he tells three stories with one point why he's doing this. And all three stories have all this in common. Something valuable was lost. Someone searched intently. When that valuable, precious thing was found, a celebration occurred. Something valuable was lost. Someone searched intently. And when found, there was a great, great celebration. He tells three stories, the sheep and the coin and the lost son. And the sheep, you know, had 100 sheep, 99, one was lost. And he goes after that one, finds it, bring it back. And Jesus says, I tell you the truth, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than 99 righteous persons who need not repent. And then he tells of the 10 coins that this widow had. It would have been her life savings and she lost one. And so she searches intently, and when she finds it, she throws a party and a celebration. And again, Jesus says, I tell you, there is more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner, one person who repents. Like heaven is constantly throwing a party for every single person who steps into the family of God through the finished work of Jesus. And then he tells the climactic story, you know it, as the prodigal son, right? And the story, the son wants to do life his way and says, Dad, thank you very much, and goes, does his own thing, spends and squanders his family fortune, parties it up. Not a great party. It left him bankrupt, empty, hollow. And I love the text. It says, and he came to his senses. He recognized that even servants live better um, in his father's household than the way he was living. And so he made the long journey home. And when his father saw him a long way off, the text says, he ran to him, wrapped his arms around him, put on the robe of sonship, the ring of sonship, sandals on his feet, and then killed the fatted calf and threw a party. Now, you guys remember there's two sons in that story, right? And so there's the older brother of the son, and he's not very happy that his dad threw a party for his reckless, wayward brother. And do you know what the text says? It's the father responds to the older son this way, we had to throw a party. 
Like, not throwing a party is not an option. Your brother who was once dead is now alive. How can we not party? And, and here's something that I want you to hear, and this might change uh, just for, this is, yeah, might just change your outlook on who you are. Because I think so many of us have the older brother's words in our mind. You're not worth a party. You're not worth celebrating. Yeah, maybe God loves you, but you're not worth a party. And here's what we see. I mean, this is so good. We see that you are worth celebrating. God looks at you, and when you say yes to him, he says, you are worth celebrating. Like heaven is eager and loves throwing parties. You're not only worth the search, you're worth celebrating. Great celebrations. Remember his faithfulness. Savor his goodness. Infuse strength. And it mirrors the activity of heaven. And finally, and this is where we'll close. A great celebration is a full body sport. It's not a cerebral event. A great celebration, like, like it involves all, all of you. Yes, great fruit, food, and I'm excited for the tacos. I smell them wafting in the air. But if you read through the Psalms and through Scripture, you see, see some of the activities of celebration. They shout for joy. They sing for joy. They dance for joy. And we're going to pivot in our service to the celebration part. And that's what I want us to do today. I want us to shout, and I want us to sing, and I want us, yeah, to dance. Maybe you grew up in a church where uh, you weren't allowed to dance. Well, you are here. I mean, David danced before the Lord undignified. You see it all throughout Scripture. Um, now, I'm a bad dancer. We've talked about this. You guys all know this. So even if worship, if you kind of keep it between 10 and 2, I'm told, just right here. Mm, just right this knock. You know what I'm saying? Just right there. You just kind of keep it going. That's all, that's, that's all my wife lets me do. Let's be honest. That's all she lets me do. I like to get the arms going. She says, no, no. But we're going to party. We're going to celebrate. We're going to sing of God's faithfulness and his goodness. There's been a song that has been part of our theme for the last um, series, Not Your Ordinary Church Service. It's called New Wine. And would you sing and declare joyously like the work that he is doing, the newness that he's bringing out in you? We're, we're going to celebrate baptisms, and by the way, we're going to shout. Thank you, four of you. That was amazing. Life-changing. We're going to shout. We're going to raise a joyful noise. You don't have to be quiet in church, man. No, we're going to shout, and we're going to celebrate. And every person that comes out of that water, we're going to act like the Cowboys scoring a touchdown. Oh, I'm sorry. Wrong audience. Wrong audience. But did you ever notice and wonder why we cheer for such trivial things and we don't cheer for such significant things? Like, 
life transformation in the waters. You're symbolically declaring internally what happened, that you're going down in the waters with death, with Christ, that you've been identified with him and you're being raised to new life. That you're not just like kind of walking around hoping, wondering, do you have a new life? No, the Spirit of God has come inside of you. You have been regenerated, given new life. The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead now lives in you. And they're declaring they're following Jesus, and we better celebrate way more than any football game or basketball game or anything like that, because heaven is celebrating with them. Would you stand and we're going to close and worship. And I think there's two responses for some in this moment. For many, uh, it's just to sing with your heart in gratitude of his goodness and his faithfulness. For some, you've never been baptized. And today's the day. And if you're you know, want to get baptized, go to my left, your right. Chris is standing there. Go, hey, I would love to get baptized. During this worship set, you can just walk over there. People who are already getting baptized are going there. You won't stand out. But go ahead as we worship and say yes and step into the waters of baptism. And the other response is for some, the reality is, is you've been lost. You've been wandering. You, like the sun, man, you feel empty and you feel dry. You feel bankrupt. And you've been trying to fill your life with something or someone to satisfy. Only Jesus can, friends. Only Jesus can. In this moment, I want to give you an opportunity to say yes to him. If you say yes to him, you can go ahead and get baptized today too, right at the same time. But would you just pray with me, church? And if, if you wanna start a relationship with your heavenly father who loves you and who's pursuing you in love, who welcomes you home with open arms, who loves to celebrate you, Right now, in this moment, would you just pray after me in your heart? Heavenly Father, today I want to step into a relationship with you. I recognize I can't fix the brokenness in my life and the emptiness. I trust that Jesus was the Son of God, that he came for me, that he died for me, that he rose again to new life, Today, I'm placing my trust in his work that because he rose to new life, he will give me new life in this moment. Would you come into my life and make me new? And if you prayed that prayer, heaven is celebrating with you. We hope you are blessed by this message. Please subscribe to our podcast for access to every episode as they're uploaded. And hey, we'd love to connect with you. Take a next step by filling out our virtual connection card at awakeningchurch.com slash card.